Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to Believe in Softball. I'm your host, Jenna Becerra. And as we all know, Father's Day was this past weekend, and we're back with the dad pod to wrap up that celebration. <laughs> Let's go through today's order. So first, we're going to cover our bases. Big updates in the professional softball world. Then we'll head into the interview, which is a continuation of my conversation with one of my favorite guests ever, my dad and lifelong coach like so many others in the softball world. You heard in part one that we can talk softball and reminisce all day, and we talked a lot about growing up in rec and travel ball, our dynamic, the stories, etc. So in part two today, we'll talk more about the college softball experience and the impact our father-daughter dynamic had on both of us in our lives. And really because that relationship is a lifelong journey and it's way beyond just the field. Then we'll wrap up with the double play tip of the week. All right, so jumping in. Covering our bases. So as I mentioned before, pro softball started back up this week. On Monday, Scrapyard Dogs and the USSSA Pride played the first of what was supposed to be seven games against each other, and things took a serious turn immediately. It came from a tweet from the official Scrapyard Fast Pitch account. It was a photo of players lined up on the field during the national anthem, standing with their hands over their hearts. And the caption said, Hey, at real Donald Trump, pro fast pitch being played live at USSSA Space Coast, at USSSA Pride, everyone respecting the flag. The tweet has since now been deleted, but reports by ESPN and others have said the following, and even players just speaking themselves. Players confirmed the tweet was posted by the scrapyard general manager, Connie May. The players had no knowledge of it, and they were shocked to see it when they got back to the locker room after their game. Players were upset because they felt like May projected her political views on them and took away their voice as individuals. They also said that May apologized but Kehlani Ricketts said, for example, in an ESPN article, it, quote, wasn't exactly clear that she was listening to what we were trying to tell her, end quote. Lauren Chamberlain, who is a former member of the USSSA Pride, also shared on social media that May was defending her actions to her in a texting conversation. So from this, there were immediate responses from scrapyard players on social media shooting down the tweet. And actually, this includes past Believe in Softball guests like Ricketts, Kelsey Stewart, and Monica Abbott, who are all also on the U.S. Olympic team. Because remember, as I said, more than half of the USA team was on Scrapyard. Several players posted images saying, this isn't us, and we're done. And that they would no longer represent the organization. And since then, we've found out that they've played with the ideas of maybe holding off on games for now covering the Scrapyard logo, or seeing if another organization might step up for them to play for, but that's still TBD. Either way, they're not planning to play and represent Scrapyard again at this point. Kat Osterman went on a Texas news station with the same sentiment, and 
said that this was a moment that was thought to create hope in bringing softball back and that that felt like it was taken away. Now, all these players have had support from many others in the softball community throughout this this week. That also includes other players like Daniel O'Toole from Team Mexico, Natasha Watley. These are more former guests from this show, as well as Meg Aronowitz, who heads up softball broadcasts for ESPN, Caitlin Lowe, Lauren Lappin, just so many more have come out in support for these players. Kelsey Stewart's initial tweet had about 700 retweets and over 4,000 likes. So needless to say, the softball community was very loud, and it, it led to a New York Times article as well. There are other statements that have come out, official statements from organizations as well. So USSA Pride, being the team that Scrapyard was playing, made it clear that they don't condone the tweet, that they were also tagged in, and that they support the current racial justice movement, as well as their athletes expressing themselves as they see fit. And they also have confirmed in a second statement that the games will be postponed until further notice. And they're working with Scrapyard to figure out what to do moving forward. USA Softball said the following statement. USA Softball fully supports all national team members, both past and present, and their right to express their beliefs. As an organization that promotes inclusiveness and unity through sport, USA Softball will continue to use softball to bring people together. And there were mixed responses in the comments on social media. Some liked seeing the support, others criticized it for being too vague. But they did issue a statement in a timely fashion. And lastly, another example is Triple Crown Sports. So in support of the players, in response to this tweet, they said that they have now pulled the 4th of July event that was supposed to be played at the Scrapyard facility, and they're moving to another facility in the Houston area. So that was all within a couple of days. And then Wednesday, there were coordinated social media posts from the Scrapyard players who were involved. And these were really a series of images with statements on them. And the first image said, this is us, awareness, empowerment, unity. And I think this was a response after having said, what isn't them on Monday after the tweet, this isn't us. Now they wanted to clarify, this is us. And that goes around the themes of awareness, empowerment, and unity and being their goals. And they each had their own captions for their individual posts and their own thoughts, but they were united in what they feel like was taking back their voice. So all of this to say, they're still not exactly sure what their schedule will be moving forward for pro softball. It's still very much developing. The players themselves have also said with a lot of these posts that we should all stay tuned because they have some more steps towards action to enact change that we should keep an eye out for. And I will continue to share more about this as it develops. It seems to change by the day. Everything I've told you now is all based on the current status that was late Wednesday night. So keep that in mind. And we've only had one pro softball game in 2020, but this is less about the game and more about the community. And with that said, speaking of community, we know that dads and daughters are a big part of softball. So coming off of Father's Day, we're going to finish out the conversation I had with my dad about this. Again, we left off part one talking about having him as a coach growing up, and now we'll listen to how that developed later on in our lives. So let's check it out. And in the meantime, sure, mom had to mediate between you and I. There was more than once. She had to come pick me up early from practice because we were butting heads. Mm -hmm. And 
I know the, the thing that we always joke about is when we'd be at practice and if I wasn't really practicing to my potential, because practice, like you, you don't have to be perfect. Like it's about getting better, but you still are supposed to practice Effort. with excellence. That's something we talked about at Stanford too. But the big oh. thing is if, if I wasn't very sharp, it was lack of focus that you would say, <laughs> lack of focus. And you'd roll the ball back to me instead of throwing it back to me because almost like I didn't earn a throw <laughs> back. I, I only earned a, a re-rolling it back. But that was mostly with pitching too because when I stepped away from pitching for my last three years of college, it, it actually was a different dynamic because pitching is so specific. And I think maybe also because I wasn't spread as thin. You know, my freshman year at Stanford, I was pitching. I was playing infield, but getting reps in the outfield as well. I was hitting lefty and righty. Like I was literally doing almost everything you could possibly do in softball other than maybe catching. And so it was just so spread thin. And then when I actually got to focus more on playing infield and really hitting right-handed, I obviously still kept up my lefty skills, but mainly focusing on that, you and I were also able to really get in an even better rhythm as, as that happened. Sure. Sure. We worked on everything, sweetie, from all positions from the corners to, to the middle infield to, to even some outfield, you know what I mean? Coming, We did everything. And that's all, uh, uh, I'll say it again, uh, a particular set of skills in those positions that you, that you have to apply, right? I mean, it's the truth. Outfield, infield, corners, middle, catchery or, or pitching, even, even, you know, cover all that stuff, the thought process that comes into play, you, you have to. So, you know, your burden was, um, and I've told you before, your athleticism. You, you, uh, you literally could do everything, you know, and anywhere you went, you were so good at it. It, it didn't matter, but that's what we worked on, you know. And even uh, I remember when you first started uh, off the left side, um, you know, it was Natasha Wally that we saw, that one-handed bunt, and it's like, okay. You know, I, I broke her down, looked at her movement mechanics and saw it, showed you and you started doing it. And then travel, you know, they wanted you to, um, they wanted you to do it. And I don't know if you remember the first time you did it, you did it, you know, and, and everybody's all in awe, you know. I was 11, I yeah. think. Yeah. yeah, Natasha Watley does that. Well, Jenna yeah. did it, you know what I mean? And it was, it was just something to add to, uh, to your game. And um, you enjoyed it. It was fun. It was another challenge, something to mix it in. And so there's a lot to learn from this game and develop skills. And you can say you never got bored with developing anything. You know what I mean? In this sport, it's always it's always something. So, no, it was um, it was exciting. There's just a lot. There's <laughs> a lot going on, you know. It was a lot. I've actually never told Natasha that. I should tell her. She's been on the show, as you know, as a an avid listener of Believe in Softball. She's been on this show twice now, and I, I haven't told her that yet, so I probably should reach out to her and let her know. <laughs> well, I've always been a big fan of her. She's a true a threat in all aspects possible from the left side, um, besides her you know, defensive skills. But, I mean, her approach, her speed, everything just uh, – you really defensively, let's say when you bring on Natasha Watley, you're going, what does the defense do? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Well, there's not many out there. Um, I, I put her up on that pedestal to go. Who who can do that? Seriously, who who can do that? She's she's outstanding. You know. Yeah, that's why she's a legend. 
that's right. You know, and I, I remember, you remember going to the UCLA clinics, you know, remember when, yeah, of course, you know, see them, uh, see that, that skill set. It just, wow. You know, what a bar she set, huh? Yeah, no kidding. And even though I'm obviously Stanford through and through, I mean, seeing people like her and, you know, Lisa Fernandez back in the day, and the fact that USC doesn't have a softball team growing up in Southern California, you know, everyone was like, oh, are you team UCLA or team USC? For me, it was easy, not a question. I was always UCLA over USC any day because how could I, why would I, these are some of the greatest in the game ever coming out of UCLA versus non-existent for USC. So it was not a question in my mind. Yeah, the issue for me with USC all these years not having a program. But, you know, um, there's still hope, I guess, you know, something can get established there. So hopefully. Eventually, when sports get on track, I think they could easily field a team pretty quickly whenever they do choose sure. to and add they, that. Well, yeah, I think realistically for years they could have done that. For some reason, it hasn't come into play, but hopefully we'll see that growth for that uh, institution to do so. Yeah, and even in the Pac-12, them, Colorado, yep. and Washington State, hopefully. And then you can actually have a real 12-pack yep. of that yep. conference that has so much history. But Yep. And when I got my experience in the conference, you know, every summer when I was home, as you know, because you were there for most of it, I work out six days a week. You know, we would practice six days a week, but I'd also be lifting two to three times a week and conditioning right. six days a week. And that would be on my own separate. Right. Sometimes you would you would help out with conditioning and time me and all of that as well, though. But I think early on, you know, like I said, I was kind of spread pretty thin. Um, but it was also in a way like such an X factor for the team because it allowed us flexibility, which was great. But for me internally, you know, I overanalyzed a lot. That's kind of my personality. And that's something that a lot of Stanford players are burdened with because, you know, you're so intellectual and focused on academics and that piece of it, that it kind of bleeds over into your performance on the field and that you start to think too much instead of just reacting. So I was pretty hard on myself. And to be honest, I struggled at the plate a little bit in early college and it was really more mental than anything sure. else, not having anything to do with the physical skills. I mean, of course I needed to, I improved in certain areas, but the real core of it was mental. Sure. And that things really clicked kind of when you and I got back to doing what we did as I was growing up, you know, we went back to chasing the lights in the field hunting. You know, I was on campus for nine months out of the year. We did our thing in the summer very meticulously every summer but even then, senior years when we kind of were like, okay, let's get back to it. That's what I wanted to do. And so we would, after a game at night, go search for lights somewhere, even if it was on the concrete somewhere in Palo Alto, but just so we could get some dry swings in. Or maybe I had a game the next day at night. So during the day, we'd go out to like a random park just to get some tea swings in, whatever it was. But we started kind of doing that to break it down. And from my perspective, it, ha it wasn't that I wasn't learning anything from college. Of course I was. I learned new things from my college experience in terms of softball knowledge. We both did. Mm -hmm. But it was about getting back to the foundation of who I was. So I took the best pieces of coaching or, or knowledge from you, from the coaches, from any, any source. And I put it together in a way that felt right for me. But mentally speaking just us kind of getting back to the foundation of how I even got there in the first place 
I think is what really got everything to culminate in such a nice way in my senior year. It all came together, sweetie, but um, I think it all came together because again, here's the physical and the mental aspect. It, don't forget that I know it was mental perhaps that you know caused some struggles, but you went back to both. You went back to the physical approach. You went back to the mental approach, put it all together, minimizing the overanalyze, you know, it's a Stanford way there. I mean, academics, you know, Stanford, Stanford, that's the student athlete there. But, but it's you on the mental side of it, deciding actually to go, you know what? I'm done doing that. I'm going to be me. And, and that's, that's what happened. Let's go do it. You know, so what was it doing? Taking up some gear, doing that, you know, or able to use some gauges, whatever. And and it's going back to the basics. What what do, what do the pros do? What is winter ball about? And you lose sight of uh, today's technology, too, with some of this stuff to help break down mechanics and everything else. It's absolutely incredible. But it's still, take that away, that's still what you're doing. You're going back to the fundamentals. You're going back to the basic one-on-one thought process and that's where you're comfortable that's where you start to build that confidence back again and believing hey man this is how i got here this is this is what i'm going to do that goes for anybody i know we're talking about you but that goes for that goes for anyone that's where i'm going to go ahead and say this is where coaching cookie cutter stuff does not work for any player players get there again i'll say it because they had a particular set of skills that got them to a level to go, hey, coaches, whoa, they're looking at this play. Yeah, the coaches are looking. Yeah, we love this player. This, this player can play at this level. So when they get there, they are going to have the struggles, mental or physical. They're going to have that. So coaches, to me, got to allow them to be who they are um, with some tweaks, you know what I mean, that, that have to take place. What, what are we talking about? And anything. It's always about adjustments, right? But they got to be willing to let that happen. But most important, you allowed that. You allowed yourself to go back there, and it didn't. It didn't. It didn't go far back. It was just the mindset to go. Ah, I, I I want this again. Let me go back to what I know so well and what I was so good at, so strong at, and what got me here. The rest took care of itself. Yeah. And I went, it was about going back to the core, but also incorporating the new stuff I had learned. Right. It was like the balance of all of it, but it was going back to having a balance, basically. Right. Kind of got away from me in the in, in between. Well, that's that's what the pros do when they struggle. They they go back. They go back to the fundamentals. Break break it all down. You know, what what what's different here? What am I not doing from from balance to to a leverage point, you know, or simply my eyes, you know what I mean? Uh, what am I doing different? Because it's so easy, because there's so many parts, right? And we're talking hitting here in particular, but there's so many parts to it that how, how easy it is to forget one of those parts. The whole thing is that everything comes together. It's a whole approach and it's there, but that's the whole point of working, the repetition, all that stuff, doing all that work consistently, get that in there. And then you go in there and it's just reaction, right? You go in there, you know what? People love to say, see the ball, hit the ball, right? I mean, it really is that simple, but you know how much work goes into the reality of this, being successful at it. That's the whole thing. Keep it simple, stupid. 
And, and that's that's easier said than done, but that is what has to happen. Yeah, we talked about the KISS method a lot. And it, it's also, we've also talked about how the difference between simple and easy mm-hmm. is really subtle, but it's important because simple, it could still be really difficult just because it's very simple and logical and it makes sense doesn't mean that it's easy to actually go out and execute right. it. So right. kind of even understanding that nuance was helpful. And right. for me, I think it was about kind of like going back to the simplicity in general, like even the environment that I was in, like I said, we went back to kind of chasing lights and field hunting, going to random parks. I had at my disposal every day and I used it as much as possible. I would do the extra work like I always did growing up, you know, some of the best facilities at Stanford, but some of it just mentally about going kind of back to the simple times and the types of places that I would put this work in before was really healthy for me. And even when I was with the Scorpions in the summers before my junior and senior year, we were kind of back to it with the tournaments, kind of like how it was with travel ball. And, and you and mom, you know, watched with the other parents that were out there and it was about getting reps, but it was also about enjoying it. And mm-hmm. even just taking a breather and just kind of getting out there and like reminding what I discovered from it was like reminding myself why I loved it in the first place. You know, I was so mad the first time when they made me wear the hat and the hat was whoever made the last out up to bat had to wear this silly white straw hat with like a giant flower on it or a bow or something in the field when you're playing, which like that stuff's not even allowed in college or when you're growing up, but it, you know, it's a fun women's league. And there were still a ton of players that were playing D1 softball too at the time, but like, that's where we all went to get the work in. And I remember the first time that I was the last out and I had to wear that hat in the field. I was so mad because I took it so seriously. But then over time, I realized like, this is exactly what I need is something like this to just make it back to like, like, let's make it fun. doesn't have to be this, you know, overanalyze and put so much pressure on myself for what, you know? Well, maybe that situation was a slap upside the head, if you will, sweetie. You know what I mean? To wake you up. The only thing with that, me and your mom regret never getting a picture of that. That's true. <laughs> got a picture of that. But anyway, that that's, you know, a different deal. Well, but, you guys uh, do like to roast me. That's that's very true. <laughs> but it, it's, um, that's a, a way of, uh, again, slap upside the head. Uh, hey, sweetie, let's just come back to, come back home. Come back home. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, mentally, physically, whatever. But the summer leagues, I was going to bring that up too. You did. Was, um. I think outstanding for you. I think it's out. I mean, it's all a lot, a lot of top college D1 players. It, it's it's an awesome summer experience. You know, keeping the skills up, still working on it. Some of them were playing there and moving on, to, and that wasn't necessarily current players either. Remember, there were some players that were they were going to play in Italy or you know off to other areas, right? Japan, other, yeah, yeah, and they were there to hey, I gotta you know get some get some work in here to do that kind of thing, and they're off going. But those leagues were, were awesome. And I think um, just as enjoyable for the players as it was for parents. You know, you don't think you didn't take parents back. I'm sitting here and telling you that, you know, the travel ball days and you're sitting here watching the game. Because remember, uh, you felt, uh, I think most of you made comments regarding this was harder than school because you would do double headers. You would do sometimes, you know, because of the summer leagues. Well, you didn't do that during college. You're like, oh, God, I'm not shape, man. I got to <laughs> that, that kind of thing, right? Yeah, we played four games in a day, and it was like, wow, we haven't done this since we were 16. That's right, you know, and 
again, parents enjoyed it. <laughs> don't think they did. They enjoyed it just as much as, you know, as the players did. But it, uh, you can see um, with less pressure, with, you know, besides school itself, right, you're there actually back to loving the game and playing the game. And parents are out there loving, watching their child, daughter, whatever, son, I don't care what sport, whatever the scenario is, playing the game and enjoying it again. That's really what that was all about. Of course, you're doing all the work and, you know, getting all that stuff in and uh, the training, you know, off-season training, of course. But that's really what it was about. The coaches were great on the Scorpions. You know, they, um, they let you girls uh, enjoy it. And I'm talking about this isn't the rec ball stuff. I don't mean that. I just mean you girls through all the all the years, years you guys have been playing. You know what I mean? And you're letting you enjoy it. I know the fun word. I get that. But I think enjoyment is more than just the fun word. Yeah. And enjoying each other, the teammates, experiences, the coming from the different schools and all that. You know, you're talking about different things. That's really what that was about in the summer. Yeah, you're and, right, because it was, you know, Long Beach State, Tennessee, San Diego State, LMU, Oregon State, Oregon, Cal yeah, Poly, you know, right. and then obviously Stanford with me. But it was just across the board. And there were some, like you said, current players, also people who had already graduated but just love to play and they want to keep going. Right. But they, they were just as competitive as everyone that was still playing, too. Yeah, <laughs> they were all about it. I think it was the women's league, what they call it, 23U or something like that. But it's awesome. It's awesome. It was a great experience all around. So, And ironically, when I wasn't thinking about stats or anything of that nature, overanalyzing or whatever, the most was during the summer, especially before my senior year. And I ended up getting like all tournament for the state tournament team right. or something. And I didn't even know that was a thing. You know, I was just playing, but it's like, see, it works itself out when you just allow it to. And that's what I took into my senior year. Yeah. We didn't even know what that was. There was other parents that came Hey, Jenna got on the tournament team. We're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, posted down on a what, you know, what is going, Oh, it almost made it mean more to me though, because I didn't even know about right. it, you know, right. it just felt natural. Sure. Sure. Yeah. It just it unfolded the way it unfolded. You know, you were out there enjoying yourself and that's, that's the whole point, you know, that's the whole point. So between us doing our work together during the season, not just in the summers, do playing with the scorpions in the summers. And then also even sometimes, and I've done this since I've stopped playing actually even more than when I was playing, but once in a while, like coming and helping you with lessons, because you've also, you've done that for years and years as well with the private instruction, like you said. So all of those things kind of helped me get back to the grassroots level and like the essence of softball. Sure. And all those things actually helped me get to where I am now, which is covering softball and being a voice for this community and, and helping the game grow in this way well that's that's you giving back to it you know and that's what uh, everyone should be, should do you know is to give back to it help help this grow get stronger um become more of a i guess and it's starting to you know as far as uh, revenue making a sport now you know in, in college you know don't quit there don't be satisfied with that everybody needs to just keep keep moving in the right direction and perhaps in one day uh a dominant impact in uh, collegiate sports, you know, for it to really 
open up more doors or reverse all that, reverse the logistics on that. For more and more girls, this is what they're going to do. You know, this is what they want to do. Make it a reality. That's all. But there's great uh, people out there that, um, that are doing it. And this is, again, uh, very good what you're doing. It's a great value uh, of giving back, and um, people uh, need to tune in. We'll see what numbers you do, Dad. We'll see. Uh, I told you, probably four people. <laughs> <laughs> and all related to us? They probably all have the last name Becerra? Yeah, that's it. Probably four people. <laughs> <laughs> well, over all of these years, from every stage of my life, having had my dad as my coach, but not just in general having a dad for a coach. It's like having you as my dad for my coach. I could go on and on about all the things that I've learned and what the impact has been. But I feel like some of the biggest things are about earning everything. I feel like that gets lost a lot in today's world. Like you have to earn every single thing. Also, like I said, you and mom like to roast me. So having thick skin and being able to stand on my own and be able to fire back and kind of punch back when something comes my way. Working hard though, that's what I mean by the earning everything. Like nothing's guaranteed. It's not like you guys said, like, work hard and, and everything will be perfect, but you guys said work hard and then you give yourself the best shot for things to go your way and for you to achieve the goals you want to achieve. Controlling the controllables, which is I can work really hard and hunt, kind of taking pride in honing my craft, dedication, never settling. Those are all things that are personality traits of you just as a person, but then also that's what kind of filtered down into your coaching and me as an athlete. But so that's kind of like, I think how daughters feel. We also feel like, of course, yeah, he was harder on me than everyone else. You know, I can guarantee like Tori and I kind of chatted. She feels the same way with Marty, right? Like I said, but from the dad's perspective, like what if you feel like was the biggest impact on you and like what you learned from your side of things? Good question, sweetie. <clears throat> Um, for me, learning, uh, having a son, having a daughter, there, there are differences and your approach. Um, there is a different relationship. Love you both just as much. Um, but it's a different relationship for son versus daughter for dads. Um, I'm sure they know that there's a little bit more of a protective shield that you want to put around the daughter more than the son you know but those are life's things that we deal with you want to make sure we don't want you to fail you know for me the whole thing was to give you whatever it is that I, that I could give you to be successful talk about earning everything it's um you know you have to experience it I mean it can words aren't enough Words aren't enough to say, you know, to just tell you words and this is what you need to do. This is what, you have to experience it. And that's why I know you feel that, you know, we, we both, me and your mother, you, you've earned everything. You did it, you know. We supported you, but, but you did our, all the hard work. We're there helping. We're helping, you know, a lot of, you know, tough times, you know, through the years, college years. Uh, being overwhelmed and we're there supporting that, you know, all those things actually to me weren't about uh, you played softball. It's the lesson that you learned through that whole process while you played softball, you know, and that's for, for us too. Your initial 
part of the question of what did I learn? For me, it was it was <laughs> to pay attention. And what I mean by that is to see what really that you're going through or, or your words, what, what you're saying, what you're experiencing, and try to um, try to be there just in, in a general, simple, fundamental support, supportive way. There's things that I, I look back and would like to do differently, but I think everyone is that way. We can't change that, you know, and, and that's where we try to, even now you're done. I mean, for you to be out of it for gosh, where are you now? Eight years? Sweet, is that where we are? Seven, yeah, eight? I mean, we've already made both of us sound old throughout this whole thing, so we might as well say it. Yeah, it's been eight no. years. <laughs> but yet here we are still, honestly, and we do just besides this particular um podcast here, but we still passionately talk about it all the time, you know, and not just the sport itself, but I know you've learned the whole point of that was the lessons learned through all this. There's a lot of life lessons, a lot of life. And that goes for everyone. Uh, me, you, as, as the one we're supporting, your mother, the family core, the family system itself, uh, all families, it's the same thing. We, we're all trying to do what we think is, is right. And then we hope that it's right. We hope that you're successful. We hope that we didn't make mistakes, but reality and life, uh, guess what? <laughs> Uh, yes, we do, you know, and, and so we talked about adjustments earlier. What do we do? We make adjustments. We try it's it's life, you know, and, and that's the, I believe in the student athlete. I don't know how kids don't experience sports to some degree or, or even music. Uh, you know where I am with music on a personal thing, but um <clears throat> It's it's like how do you not experience? At least give them the chance. At least give them something to do that, you know. And uh, again, through all of that, lessons learned is to simply pay attention better. You know, um, I'm trying to do that even now as as uh, I'm I'm older to be more um, in the moment than anything else. Just just um, realize what's what's in front of you first before. Don't get ahead of yourself, you know. And I think I probably did that through the years sometimes with you, uh, sort of uh, zooming forward, if you will, no pun intended with this, but to get ahead of myself, what are you doing? You're not there. Right now is what matters, you know what I mean? And, and let, it, let it run its course and take care of itself. And, but I, I think it's just more of a really paying attention and being in the moment now more than ever, sweetie. I feel like being in the moment kind of summarizes everything because that's what helped me be a better softball player. That's what helped me be a better person over the years, even before college, in college, after college, all of it. And same with you, like as a dad, as a coach, as a professional, like anything, being in the moment kind of summarizes it. And I used to think being in the moment meant you're not prepared. And for me, preparation was such a big deal. It's one thing that you and mom both in different ways sure. instilled in me, but that's not what it means. You still do the preparation, whatever that is, whether that's relationships that you have, right. softball, a sport, your career, whatever it is, you still do the preparation, but then you have to trust it mm -hmm. after that and then be in the moment. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you and I have kind of actually learned that together over these years. Yeah, yeah we did. You know, um, talk about overanalyzing, you know, I did that too. 
and besides you going to Stanford in the academic level that you accomplished, I'm sure you picked up some of that uh, through my genes, which was on top of all of that stuff, which didn't help you very much to overanalyze and stress a little bit too much on things. But and that's the 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 preparation aspect for me is to be ready, always be ready. But there's still there's only so much you can do with that. Do the best you can at that. And okay, as I said, here's the moment. It is what it is. <laughs> you know, so lessons learned for everyone, you know, as time moves forward. Yeah. It, it's, it is what it is. So after all of this, <laughs> if there if you could give advice to dads who are coaching their daughters, what would that be? You kind of said it about being in the moment and what you've learned. And I've talked about what I've learned, but is there anything else that you'd really want to say to dads who are doing the same thing that you and I did? From what I've seen through the years and still see out there is be a dad first. Coaching is, is, is coaching, but, but be a dad first. And I know I said this before, but, but pay attention and listen. Listen to what, what's going on. Listen to what's happening. But you, you have to be a dad first. You know, allow them to enjoy it. And I'm saying enjoy. You know, I, I know the fun word is used a lot. I, I get that. But, you know, when you think about individuals, fun, either you, you're going to have fun if you want to have fun. If you don't, you're not going to. So, but enjoyment, that means it's coming from the heart. So dads, be, be dads first, not coach. Of course, support them. But remember um, why you're out there. You know, um, I know there's this major, major push now with this, this younger start at travel ball, the, the commitments to college at such young age. It, it's, it's um, I'll sit here and tell you, and you know how I am, John. That's ridiculous. The moment is that they're 10, they're 11, they're still 12, they're still 13, they're still, you know, allow them to be that. The rest will take care of itself. Be a dad first, be, be as supportive as you possibly can, be the best coach you can be, but allow them to be who they are and the kids that they are. It all takes care of itself as long as you're there supporting in the right way, in the positive way. And um, do it together. Make sure you do it together. You've said that a few times that you, it's a dad coach, not coach dad. And you actually always, you and mom used to tell me that that's why it's student athlete and not athlete student. That's right. It's about the academics in the classroom and taking care of that. And I remember we used to talk a lot about how practicing for a game is a lot like studying for a test. Like all of these things take that kind of work. But as you kept saying, like it's dad first and then coach, that's what I kept thinking of how that mirrors what you always taught me. And I think in general, we are both learning too, that it's, it's about being a person first before a professional, before any other role that you have. It's just about being a person and, and doing the, the next right thing or being the best version of whatever that is. Yep. And, and even with all your teammates through the years and the coaching opportunities that I've had with all these kids, hundreds of them, it's um, hopefully um, I have left them with the coach part of me with something positive, you know, that they've taken through their lives at this point. 
and it's been uh, helpful. You know, hopefully, hopefully. Like I said, we are, we're all learning through this too. So and I don't care how old you are. I mean, you can still learn from mistakes. So, Well, everybody that I still will keep in touch with somewhat over the years that I used to play with, they still, I think a lot of them will refer to you as Coach Richard. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's, yeah. Yeah. Even Jamie and, and Brittany, right? Even, yeah. Yeah. Ponytail. Yep. yep. <laughs> that was your identifier. Yep. Yes, it was. All right, Dad. Well, I have one more question for you. And you know what this is because you, again, listen to this podcast every week. But we're going to play a game called Safer Out. Out. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were talking about positivity earlier. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so for those listening that may be new to this, I'm going to bring up a couple of things related to softball and my dad's gonna say it's safe if he agrees with it or if he likes it or say it's out if he doesn't like it or doesn't agree with it so dad you know the drill right mm -hmm. okay so the first one is and this is related to softball right daylight savings time safe or out i want light <laughs> okay but you have to make the call then well, um, I want light. I, I thought this was going to be, I thought I knew already what your answer would be. I want light, so. So out? Yes. <laughs> well, okay, is this why you were struggling? Because I know you want light after work, because that's like when we used to be able to practice, right? But you're also a morning person, so you probably like when it's lighter in the mornings than when it's dark. Oh, uh, yeah, but you know what? Uh, forget being a morning person. It's about being able to get out there and, you know, practice. and <laughs> Or lessons, right? Lessons and, you know. Yeah, because you chase the, the lights in the field with your lessons, too. It wasn't just me. That's right. You know, <laughs> everywhere, everywhere possible. So even under a street light somewhere, you know what I mean? <laughs> that was the first one. I have one more for you. Okay. The current dimensions of the softball field, specifically <laughs> <laughs> specifically 60-foot base paths, safer out. 60-foot? You know it's out for me. Yeah, why? But I will say this. Um, there is a change that's taken place in the sport where – they are actually now, and I don't mean to criticize, you know, the slapping scenario, but they are actually starting to properly call the rule. Majority of the time, they're out of the box, okay? <clears throat> and so um, what you're seeing now is actually a lot of teams don't have that lefty leadoff. I know, a lot of right-handed leadoffs. Yeah, having a great contact even with some power you know person that's leading off player leading off now and it might be because hey they're getting called out all the time now so we're not getting that advantage of getting that runner on and all the, you know so with the impact of the rule it's interesting i know i said out but there's sort of a variable here because you're out because something you've always said is... i think 65 feet right that you no. think they should push it back to, to challenge the slappers more to make that more sure 
but they they are now calling that rule like they should have been for quite some time, just like pitching with the leaping off the mound. You know what I mean? All that kind of stuff, or outside of the mound zone, right? Stepping inside the boundary, you know, um, and they're starting to call that. So still going to stay out. I think it should be sixty-five, um, but it's interesting to see. I just wanted to comment. It's interesting to see what changes have taken place because they call that rule way less success of that leadoff slapper getting on. Um, so they're going to uh, a strong hitter get on actually hitting that ball. Interesting. You know, I do, I do like seeing that, but at the same time, slapping is, you know, like I said, I'm a Natasha Watley fan. Okay. But she, she's the full threat. That's the because she could do everything, though. She didn't just slap; she could do it all. So then, yeah, and you didn't know, get out of the box either. You know what I mean? She was in the box, yeah. You know what I mean? So um, that's how it's done. Okay, that's how you do it. But with this other thing that's going on, it's interesting to see that happen. I don't want slapping to go away. It is softball. It is softball. The awesome third base play. You know, the uh, the, the catchers bouncing from behind the plate, and I mean, it, it, it's softball. And it's a great part of it, but they're calling that rule. It's changed it. They adapted by coaches changing the leadoff scenario. Hey, go to 65 and and get better at it. Yeah. You know, and see where it goes, where it will go from there for the support. Um, I kind of sort of don't like the fact that they just like took it away, coaches, you know, and but I understand why it's strategic. It, it's we're trying to win a ball game here, right? Get the runner on. I, I get that, but eh, it's a tough situation to – that's not how I wanted to see the game change. So just 65, you know, put it at 65. The girls got the arms for it. They can do it. They can make the plays, you know. Well, so and I, the, as a someone who played a lot of third base in college, it's like you can still get up in their face just because the base path is different doesn't mean you have to defend it differently. So that is what challenges slappers more. Right. Right. You know, and I, I don't know much of the argument that's out there for that, you know, for it's even perhaps uh, semi on the table for a possibility, but I think they should go to 65 and it, uh, it would change the game in that respect. Um, I just don't like to see that the slappers are no longer there too. Huh. What, 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 a, what a mixed bag there. Huh? Um, I said, I said out, but it's like, don't eliminate it. I'm not saying totally take it away. Just challenge it more. Yeah. Just challenge it more. That's all. You know, it'd be interesting to see that happen. Well, it's well, an interesting parallel that you said with the pitchers too, because oh. they have they have to stay in their lines. Because I, if you look back, a lot of people talk about the difference of back in the day, the white ball versus now the neon ball. But in addition to that, you know, NCAA softball has been playing a ton of old games online that you can rewatch. And so I watched Lisa Fernandez recently. And I mean, she is using all parts in front of the mound. She would not have been staying in those lines. Let's put it that way. Like for her screwball, she has fallen all the way over to the right. And not to say that even if she was in the lines that she'd be easy to hit because she wouldn't be. But those things have changed the game too. So on the mound, you know, that's why we're seeing more one-two punches and not just one dominant pitcher. Like, so we're seeing something, those rules shift the game offensively and defensively. Well, well, sure, and that was all to create angles. You know, Jenny Finch, same thing, you know, getting way out, creating that angle. You know, what's the difference? Look what they did to high school at this point. High school now is 43 feet. It's like it was to step up to 43 in college, high school, college, right? Mm-hmm. So, so they did that in high school pitching. 
because they're saying now it helps them develop better, right, for, for the college level. Well, yeah, it was diff- it was weird to go from 40 feet in high school to 43 feet in travel ball. Right, right. And then well, you're 43 in college. It's like, yeah. let's be consistent. And they, that's what the point was, to be consistent and to uh, better prepare them for the next for the next step, right, the next level. So moving, moving, you know, and, and when you think about um, rec ball, you know, 30 feet, you know, 35 feet, or even pitching mounds with a base running pass, right? 65, 65, if you put that in place, I really think they'll adapt to it. I think the sport itself will, will and, and athletes, the players, they'll adjust quickly to that, you know, and then the coaching aspect of their strategy and approach to, to winning the game and what they do. Maybe you might see a little bit more effectiveness of the right side bunning and getting on too. I don't know. That's you know? true. I used to do that in college and a lot of my teammates who had speed would drive yeah, from the right side offensive action if you will to to the game you know but i just think it's something that could could easily uh, be adapted to and uh impact the game in a more positive way yeah a few of the guests that have been on here too coach jay miller from hofstra but he's also been everywhere but uh he his thing was consistency right like like have consistency or even international versus college versus whatever like consistency is going to help the sport grow because if you're watching the same sport every time with the same rules, the same everything that makes it easier to grow a fan base. Right. right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and um, the fan base simply to, to follow that sport. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's a very true thing. All right, dad. Well, these are the conversations that we still have all the time and we could probably go on forever. We might even later today, but, um, <laughs> but I just want to say thanks for coming on. I mean, I know you listen every week and that you're a big part of everything that I know about softball, obviously, but it's been particularly special to be able to have you on and have people see kind of an example of what leads to what makes up this softball community. Cause I think we're examples of many people that have a father daughter duo relationship in the softball world. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, you like to say it's um, unique. It isn't unique. It happens a lot. It's out there a lot, but the relationships are, Yeah. you know, so, you know, family aspect. So it's exciting. And I'll say again, this is exciting to do this. I think it's awesome. It's uh, such a great way to, to get back and, you know, all the guests that you have at this point and everything, actually, it's uh, pretty much a privilege and an honor to be uh, to be on this like Natasha Wally has and, you know, uh, Monica Abbott. And I mean, I, I feel uh, at least for a little window here, a little bit special. So <laughs> it, it's OK. You know, I guess I'm in there mixed a little bit, at least for this. <laughs> Well, happy Father's Day. This is your gift. <laughs> How do you like it? <laughs> yeah, it, it, uh, it's very enjoyable, sweetie. <laughs> it's an awesome platform for a message, you know, at least for the sport. And um, hopefully it just keeps on growing because it is. Yeah, I agree. All right, Dad. Well, I love you. Thanks again. They love you too. I love chatting with my dad. In some ways, it was just another day for us, honestly but it was also really special to look back on it all. So shout out to the dad pod. Throughout everything, you know, we really picked each other up in many ways, and we got to share that. And I hope other dad-daughter duos listening can relate or learn or maybe just laugh. And this week's double play tip. So switching gears, this week's double play tip is about respecting your craft. 
Because softball is your craft, and I mean respect in regards to the little things. So physically, it's about taking care of your things. Rake your position area on the field. Keep the dirt in good condition to respect the field, and honestly, to get better hops. Even the raking movements themselves can actually kind of be therapeutic, too. Pick up all the balls and put equipment away in the batting cages. It's kind of like picking up after yourself and keeping your room or your living space clean. So think of your teammates like your roommates that are sharing that space with you. And these are just a couple of examples, but these things aren't always necessarily in the middle of softball itself. It might be in between reps or after practice, etc. But it doesn't just show respect. It also shows gratitude for everything that you have. And the softball gods will like it, trust me. Now, mentally, it really comes down to thinking about others. What do your teammates need? If you're all rotating hitting stations, for example, and you just hit a bunch of balls off the tee, your teammate that will head to that tee for the next rotation after you will need those balls to hit too, right? So you pick those up, you refill the bucket for them. Think about leaving whatever you use like that in the same good condition that you found it. It's that thought process. But even if you didn't find it in a good condition, let's say the person before you maybe left all the balls in the net, whatever, you can still clean up for the person after you anyway. It's just about being thoughtful and not having a mindset where you're entitled and think others are just going to do it for you. You have to earn it yourself. And it's good karma. Again, the softball gods will like it. So will your teammates, your coaches, and even you. Little things really, I mean, they go a long way. So that's the physical and mental side of respecting your craft. Take care of your things and think about others. That's the double play tip of the week. You've been listening to Believe in Softball, available everywhere you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, and Believe.com. Subscribe, rate, and review. Let me know what you guys think. Share, again, especially with all those softball dads and daughters you know. It really is special. Hit me up on Twitter as usual at JennaBecerra01 and Instagram at JennaBecerra. Thanks again for listening to part two of the Dad Pod and catch you soon. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.